Welcome to Coffee and Leadership with Pros, where we have real talks, give real advice, leadership, motivation, and share inspiring struggle victory stories and more. Here's your coach, Amanda Forrester. Hey guys, welcome to Coffee and Leadership with Pros. I am Coach Amanda. I am so excited to release this podcast with Logan Ketter. Let me just tell you, if you need a little bit of inspiration right now to know that everything that you are going through has a purpose and that dreams do come true, this is the podcast that you are going to fall in love with. Let me tell you why. Logan and I recorded this back in April of this year and and um, he was with the El Paso Locomotive um, Organization, which is part of the USL Championship. He originally was with Columbus. He got sent down to the USL to get more game experience. And he's been there for two years and has played just about every single game, more games in the last two years than any other USL Championship goalkeeper. And just last week, just last Tuesday, he got a call up by the Portland Timbers and was put on loan for the rest of the MLS season and got his chance, and now he's coming back as a starter. And his debut last Saturday against the San Jose Earthquakes, he blocked a PK to have a clean sheet and just make history in a lot of different areas. But more than that, he blocked the PK from the leading top scorer in the MLS. Absolutely what a way to have your MLS debut. You are going to love this. Enjoy and have a great week. Everyone has two lives. And your second one starts when you find out you only have one. Ooh. I do believe that I have started in the last year, two years, three years that, you know what? I'm going to live my life. I'm not going to have any regrets. I'm not going to have any regrets in my career or choices I've made. It is what it is. It's in the past now. I can only build on new experiences from here on out. So if I spend my entire career in the USL, I'm happy with that because that's, I, I feel that I'm giving everything that I have. If I am fortunate enough to be, go back to MLS, I'm gonna put everything I have into that basket. So. Wondolowski. up big makes have a corner Ketterer just holds his ground and Chris Wondolowski doesn't get a lot of power on this one opts to go with the inside of his right foot choosing to to really look to what's your best advice that you could give parents players anybody who is anywhere in life whether it's business uh, coaching whatever they're just they feel stuck the lower the lows, the higher the highs that you can have. If you don't have any lows, you're never really going to have much highs. If you know, I'm a math numbers guy. If your if your days are always right around here, boring, 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 nothing's drastic. If you don't have the lows, you'll never feel the the excitement, the energy, the rush of the super high highs. So it's going to end your your misery, whatever the the struggles are going to to stop. And hopefully you've learned something from it that you can use to push yourself forward and, and find those higher highs. Bet on you because you're good enough.
So Logan uh, and I met through Camp Shutout owner uh, Stan Anderson, um, who is an awesome person. If you guys don't know about Camp Shutout, highly recommend uh, going. I had the privilege and opportunity to be a guest coach last year, and they brought me in, and it's a week of amazing fun, a lot of reps, and uh, getting to meet some fantastic coaches uh, and players as well. A lot of talent there. Um, what is it? 300 goalkeepers or something crazy like that. If I remember right. Yeah, it was, it was up there. Um, I was a staff member when it was th about 300. Um, I was a, a staff, a camper when I was maybe 200, 250. It's, it's a ton of goalkeepers. It's a fantastic week, you know, two, three sessions a day. Um, great time. Awesome. Stan's a great guy, but I'm, I'm glad we got to meet up through, through him. Yeah. Yeah. And you are from Wisconsin. Is that right? Yep. Yep. Wh what I part of Wisconsin? Five minutes from Stan, uh, Southeast Racine, Wisconsin, right near Milwaukee. So, uh, grew up FC Milwaukee nationals and, um, some cl local clubs there, but, uh, just, just outside the, the realm of Chicago fire. Yes. <laughs> A very special realm. Not your guys are about Racine's if I remember right, hour, hour and a half outside Chicago, north of Chicago. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's about hour and a half north of Chicago. So close. was able to get some, some games when I was a kid, grew up with season tickets to the fire games and stuff. So it was fun seeing Cuauhtémoc Blanco and, and all these other guys, but. Did you get to see good. Bushy, John Bush? I, I actually did. Yeah. I remember him a little bit. And then, uh, um, he went to Columbus and stuff. So no, it was great. Yeah, because you guys are kind of torn between two great clubs there because Columbus is how many hours? Two, three hours from you guys? Oh, no, it's, it's well, if uh, just because of Lake Michigan, it's like a seven hour drive. Got so you it. have to is go it... down and around through Chicago and then east. So it's, it, it takes a little longer, but it's not actually that far. Not too bad. It's a beautiful area. Uh, when we were out there last year, Stan took us and uh, we went in, uh, to the lighthouse right there in downtown Racine. He gave us the uh, the Stan, the famous Stan Anderson downtown Racine tour. Very cool yeah. what he's doing with this Venmo challenge because a lot of those restaurants yeah. he told us the history of. Now, if you guys don't know about this, uh, Stan Anderson and his family have uh, started the Venmo Racine challenge. Is that right? Is that the is yeah, that what I he labeled so. it? Yeah, I think that's and the name of it. Yeah, they've raised over I believe sixty thousand dollars, and they've been surprising small businesses with a couple thousand or five thousand, three thousand here and there. It's it's really cool what they're doing to help small businesses out. I was chatting with you on the phone after we we met, and I asked you to tell a little bit of your story, and you launched, and I loved every part of it. And I, I told you, I want to name the talk, um, bet on you because you're good enough. Um, and that that's one of the biggest lessons you were telling me that you've learned, um, through a lot of trials that you've had to overcome and you're not where you want to be, but you've come a long way. And I just wanted you to share, you know, where, what, where were you before you were pro and before college and, and so forth, and just talk a little bit about that journey to where you are now and the lessons that you've learned, um, overcoming those, those hurdles, uh, that you've come across in life. So you, you grew up in Racine played in a local club. Um, talk to me about the recruiting process. I mean, did they just pick you right out of a batch or did you have to work like a part-time job to get that, uh, that offer to go to school? Yeah. It was, oh, sorry. Um, yeah, it was, it's, it's kind of a long story. Um, I grew up playing for my dad and his club, you know, we Racine Spartans, we were a small, you know, I think we played in A, a there's, you know, 
CBA first premier. We were in A or something. Um, I was a field player for a long time. What position? Start playing uh, center back or forward. Okay. Um, Seems to be so, a common theme for most uh, goalkeepers. That's why I asked. We're, probably. Most yeah. of you them don't are really forwards. ever see like a number 10, like switch over to, to not to too put often. Throwing the mitts on. But, um, <laughs> my dad didn't want me to play goalie. Uh, maybe that's what drove me to go play goalie. I don't know. But <laughs> he's like, you're too good to not to just stand in goal. So I was like, all right. So I was about 12 or 13. I went to camp shutout. Um, I really liked playing goalkeeper. Um, it was a lot of fun. I just wanted to dive around. I wanted to, you know, I liked the pressure. I, I was fine with it. I played point guard as basketball. So I didn't have an issue with, you know, having eyes on you and pressure and, you know, turnovers and mistakes and all, all those things. Um, played high school. I was small. I was like five, seven, 110 pounds. Like I was skinny. I was short. I was not, you know, not what you should throw in as, as a goalie, but right. my high school coach, you know, took a chance to me. I made varsity, um, won the job over after a few games and then, uh, stayed the starter for my four years there in high school, it's a pretty small high school, but we were a very talented, uh, division three team. Um, so you, you were NCAA out, division three or, or the this, high, this is a high school still, okay. this is a high school division three. So okay. it was, it was small schools. Um, and then I started to grow, started to get a little bit bigger. I was still super skinny, but I, you know, over the next year I was six one, and then I was six three, but I was a junior or senior, um, and had really good statistics. I had like fifty shutouts out of eighty five games in in high school, so I had good stats, but I couldn't quite get any knocks for recruiting and things. I had small connections here and there: Wright State, Milwaukee, Madison. What were you doing? Um, what were you doing to get recruited? Was it, you know, you're, if I remember right, you're 28, 29, 27, 27, 27. So NCSA was around at this time. It was just getting started, which is the online mm-hmm. college recruiting profile. Were you using NCSA to get recruited and messaging coaches? I don't remember. I, I, I did use a program. I'm pretty sure it is NCSA. Um, I, I had a video, um, got a couple links through there. Um, had, you know, had plenty of emails and contacts. I went to a bunch of college combines, you know, one summer, my dad and I just drove around everywhere doing these different combines everywhere we could, um, just trying to get an opportunity. And, uh, but I was, you know, I was skinny and nothing was working out. So I think it's the summer before my senior year in high school, I go to camp shutout and 300 goalkeepers there. I'm in the top group. So I'm top 10, 12 of, 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 of boys and I'm doing well and I'm playing really well. And then I'm uh, captain and we do this big team keeper wars tournament. So, you know, groups of five or six oh, yes. play everybody else in the camp and my team won it and we won the entire tournament. And there was a college coach there from Bradley university. And he saw me, contacted me, said, Hey, you know, we're interested, you know, come, come take a look at our school went there for an unofficial visit, uh, went back for an official and, and I ended up signing there a few weeks later. Um, I was not on money. I was not on, I knew I was walking on and not, not a walk on. I knew I had a spot, but I was not on money. Um, the best thing I could do was get academic scholarships. I had good grades. I studied hard for my ACT. Um, I was able to, you know, save some money that way, but I knew I wasn't going to play right away. I was probably going to redshirt because the, the starter there had some trials with 
the Chicago Fire um, had, you know, was borderline, should have been drafted, but he kind of gained, gained, gained a little bit of weight and, and, and made things difficult for himself. Um, but I knew I was going to sit for a little while. Right. And that was a little hard for me because I went from playing 85 games in high school. You know, there's 20 some games, there's four or five playoff games every year. You know, so I played virtually every game for the last four years. And then I knew I was going to go sit for at least two because that's how many years of eligibility he had left. So, um, what did you do? So this is division. What, what division? This is division one. Division one NCAA. Yep. And what conference were you part of? Uh, Missouri Valley conference, Missouri Valley. So we played at the time we played Creighton, Drake, uh, Missouri state, um, Evansville, uh, Creighton left a few years, a uh, year or two into my, my time there, they joined a, a different conference, but some good teams, good players. Right. Definitely. So what's going through your head when you, I mean, you know, this going in, but then when it real the reality sets in, cause I, I don't know about you and tell me if I'm wrong, but you probably went in with this mentality. Like most of us were winners. Um, we, we embrace perseverance as goalkeepers. It's just in our DNA but you probably went into preseason going, I'm going to earn that spot. I'm going to prove myself. Am I wrong? Yeah. You know, it was, I was told I was not going to play and I was going to redshirt and that was fine. I thought I was maybe higher on the pecking order than I was. Um, but I, I worked, I worked hard, kept my head down and I, and I, I passed all the fitness tests every year. I, you know, did all the work that I could made sure I studied hard. Um, but you know, I was just not going to play over this guy. This guy was bigger, stronger, has been playing for a long time. He was a starter there since he was a freshman. Like, I get it. Like, I can see why I'm not playing, but it's still difficult to sit for, you know, two some years. How'd you stay hungry? Um, you know, the, the best thing I could do was in college, college athletics, it's you hit the weight room and you, you have a short season that's two months long and then you hit the weight room hard for, you know, five, six months. Um, so I started to get a little bigger, a little stronger. I was still skinny. I mean, I was, I went, I think I went in there about six, three, one fifty, one fifty five. Um, I think when I left college, I was about close to 180, 175. So gained about 20, 25 pounds. Um, but I was not a mature, like I wasn't like, I didn't look like I was big, strong. I was a twig, you know, my arms were there. Like it it wasn't like (laughs) muscle weight. It was just like, that's as heavy as you're going to be without either being obese or, or muscular. So, right. Um, but it it was, it was a lot, I needed a lot of, I need to adjust to the level. Honestly, I, I, I played Academy in, in, um, club my junior and senior year. So I was with FC Milwaukee or playing Columbus crew, playing Chicago fire, playing Minnesota Thunder Academy and all these other teams. For those um, who don't understand what that is, can you, is that like, can you explain a little bit of what that is? Yeah. I, I, Academy uh, league is, is basically all the MLS teams have Academy teams. So Columbus crew, this is their top team. These are their top youngsters who they're looking to either sign homegrown deals with the MLS team or, you know, whatever. So um, these are at the time, this was the best of the best if, of, you know, 16, 18 year olds. Right. But there is a huge difference between the best 18 year olds and now men in college that are 22, 23 years old. You it's know, you, you can be as talented as you want the ball, but it is way more physical. It is way mm-hmm. more, you know, everything about it is a completely different game. And 
especially in the MVC, it was a bruiser of a league. It is crosses, set pieces, breakaways. You are hitting somebody every single game. Like it is, it is not meant for, um, you know, the, the weekend that can't handle it. So it was, it was an adjustment period for me to, to get to that point where I'm like, you know what, I got to go blow this play up. However it happens, whether it's punching, catching, whatever. Um, so it was, it was certainly a lot of adjustments that I needed to make in those, in those two years before I started to play. Yeah. When, now when you went and you were like, Hey, I'm going to hit the gym. Did you seek out your strength coach? Were you studying on your own? What were you doing to get the, the knowledge to help you, um, put on that, um, the muscle weight that you needed to look more fitter and, uh, be able to honestly take those, those hits, uh, in games. Yeah, we had, we had a good strength coach. Um, I, Cody Roberts, he was great for us. He, he worked with the men's uh, basketball team. We didn't have a football program at our college. Um, so he worked with men's basketball and, and soccer and all the other sports. And it was, you know, it's benching, it's squatting, it's, it's you know, core and corrective, obviously, to, to balance out issues that you have. Um, you know, my hips are always bad. My shoulders aren't great. But um, it was just, you know, kind of hitting the, the, the big weight exercises to, to start, even if you just feel a little more confident in yourself, and this is kind of where my journey started to make improvements where I started to feel more confident when I felt that I was stronger. It didn't matter if I was five pounds more or, or not. If I felt like I'm strong, then I played better. And, and that's, you know, I, I went through a good phase in college where I started to get really confident in my play and everything where I'm put on weight. I was, you know, joking with guys, me and a buddy were trying to race to see who was going to weigh 180 first. Like we were both skinny twigs. And we're like, All right, we're going to join the we're going to join the 180 club. I think technically I did, but um, we used to weigh in with shoes on every day. So it was kind of like, you weren't really <laughs> sure. Like, uh, I think I, 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 I uh, might've accused him of throwing like stones in his, in his shoes one day. Cause I don't, I don't think he actually hit 180, but no, but it, it was, it was good. Yeah. I mean, we had to just start hitting the, the, the bigger, bigger exercises that kind of make you feel a little better about yourself. Right. Right. And it's just, sometimes you have to create that, that own, your own pathway, right? Things, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, I'm a shorter goalkeeper, so I had to learn to jump and <laughs> jump high and I had to yep. play in my strengths and, but I had to fine tune my weaknesses. Yours was your, your body weight. You had to learn how to gain weight, but gain healthy weight and mm-hmm. put on good muscle so you could perform and take those hits. Um, no yeah. one person is the same and you just, you know, success isn't easy it's an uphill battle, but worth it. So you're D one, you've put on the weight. How's the next two years look for your playing at division one? Yeah. So I, um, I'm going into my junior year, redshirt sophomore, um, athletically, um, still to back up a different guy who was a year older than me, um, started the year with the spot. We lose a couple games. We're on the road. We play, San Diego State, and we lose five two. Oh wow! Not a good game. Um, That's a so game you forget about college. real quick. <laughs> yeah. So these are this is college. So you know you play Friday Sunday. Um, Saturday, coach calls me and says, "Hey, you're going to start Saturday or Sunday. Uh, Cal State Berkeley, good team. Not ranked wow. at the time, but they were a good team. And we go Sunday. The game starts, and it is 110 at kickoff." It is oh, hot and we're this, from the Midwest. You know, you get 80 and humid and you're like, Ooh, that this is tough. 
110 I didn't even know California heat. could do that. <laughs> Jeez. It was toast. And that's dry. That's my first game. That's mm-hmm. dry heat too. Yeah. So that's my first game. Um, actually played really well. It's uh, we, we ended up losing 1-0 in double overtime, but I had maybe 10, 12 saves. Um, really good performance, confident. You know, had a couple big punches. Um, almost had an assist in that game. And I took the spot from there. And that was that was uh, big for me because I had known I could play for a while. I just kind of needed that chance. I had to be patient. Um, you know, the the head coach, he talked to me after uh, after I graduated. And he's like, I kept expecting you to come into my office and ask, why am I not playing? Why am I not playing? But oh, wow. you never did. And because I was patient, I was like, I knew when I get my chance, I'm going to take it. And it's, I didn't want to be the guy that's annoying to the point where, you know, you're, you don't want to have those conversations with the coach anymore. Like, I didn't want to get to that point where he's like, ah, all right, I just can't deal with like, okay, I'll talk to you later. Right. So I was, I was just patient and I waited and I got my chance and I took it from there. And, and I was able to play almost three full seasons as a starter. That's awesome. You, I'm so glad you brought that up because, you know, I've seen that a lot coaching um, in my first year of college too, is a lot of people are like, well, why am I not playing? But what do I need to do? What, 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 what about this? What about that? You know, I didn't see the minutes I wanted to see, you know, um, why? So I know you didn't want to be the annoying kid, but mm-hmm. what kept you patient? Because I know you had to have been thinking that at times. Oh yeah. Watching a five, two loss and other losses there gets to a point. I don't know about you, but for me, I remember sitting on the bench in different parts of my career, seeing that happen. Like, Oh my gosh, I could play so much better than that. I knew what to do, when to do it, why to do it. What, how, how did you, how'd you get through that? Yeah. I I felt that because college athletics is so much like, okay, man, it's a brotherhood, you know, it's, it's family. So you don't want to step on anybody's toes and make them think that, you know, now we've got problems. Me and the other goalkeeper, we got along really well. And mm-hmm. he was there for, for two years while I was a starter. And we, we were good friends. We hung out. And it's, it, I felt that it needed to be a natural progression. Right. So it needed to come along naturally. Like I, You can't force it. If, if I'm knocking on coach's door, hey, put me in, and I play, and he didn't really do anything wrong, well, now he feels wronged about it and – Maybe I don't feel that maybe I didn't deserve it yet. And it, it can just cause more issues than, than it's really worth. And when, you know, okay, we lost a few games, but they're non-conference. It wasn't like this is the end of the world. But, you know, by having it naturally happen, now all the guys were, you know, they were supportive of me as well. It wasn't that I went and knocked on coach's door and they played me because I complained. It was, okay, you know what? It's his shot now it's up to him to earn it and keep it. So I, right. I think that was the, the best thing that I could have done. And at the time it felt right. And, and, and I'm really glad that that's how everything turned out. And obviously, Hey, if I lost the spot, if I didn't play well, if I didn't keep it, that's on me. But like, like the title of the episode is I was willing to bet on myself whenever I got the chance and I just need to wait for that chance. Yeah. Patience is so important and it's never easy. And, and I'm sure at times you were still impatient internally. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. certain I mean you know as, as we're losing a couple of games where we think maybe we could have won or you know we had a couple of good teams come to town and, and we lose those games you know I'm feeling like man I I want to play but un, until that decision is made the game's over right. you can't go back and change any game so there's no point in dwelling on it or oh we, we should have won that you know that's that's not how it was and that's not how it should be either um you just kind of have to wait for your chance and and there are points later in my career where I'm like well I'm not going to wait anymore and I am going to go you know um do something else and then I need to make something happen for myself so there there's there's times where you need to just be patient there's times we need to go you know do what you need to do yeah and I live by this it's my favorite quotes by Napoleon Hill and it says in every adversity there is a seed of equal or greater benefit if you look for it. and the key is if you look for it and I know I spent half of my high school uh with my high school team we were really good we were top five in the state of the large large schools um, I mean, we had three girls on the national team, um, wow. among other things. And I mean, they weren't the full team. They were there, but they were at camp every year since they were like 13, 14. One was already playing semi-pro at 15 years old, uh, which wow. at that time was the only professional league for the women's side. So she's playing alongside Olympians at 15 and 16. We were a, an amazing team. And yeah. I remember being out there and I had a basketball center who was six foot four, never played a game, didn't play travel. And here I am, this is pre-ECNL days, early 2000s when ODP was like a big deal. I'm ranked number one in the state in my age group for goalkeepers. And she's playing over me. And I remember riding the bench and I'd, I'd always start the preseason, do great, perform great. If we went into like any interconference tournaments, I was always getting clean sheet after clean sheet. And as soon as she got done with her varsity basketball season, I rode the bench and I'm like, oh my God. Oh, I hated it. I, I had a chip on my shoulder for years until about five, maybe seven years into my coaching career. And I realized I was a better coach, but I was also a better player because I was forced to sit on the bench and watch the game from the sideline without having to deal with the on-field pressures. And I learned my biggest strength was I learned to study the game from the sidelines. And I was able to, when I got into goal, perform better because I had seen plays form up so many times. I knew how to be more strategic and tell my players where to be and when to be there. And I understood yep. why I was telling them that, which only translated over into coaching, you know, mm -hmm. um, would you say similar things happen to you and it's translated? I mean, we'll get into your pro route, but has it translated jumping ahead here a little bit? Did it translate into the pro? Did you have a similar kind of learning experience when you were on the sidelines? Yeah, I would say in college I did. Right. Um, we did an interesting in our college. None of the, if you were on the bench, you did not sit down. You yeah. We're the, the same at the, at the university. And it, it was, you know, a, as early on your freshman year, like, why are we doing this? This is stupid. Like, and then once you kind of realize, like it's to keep you involved in the game. Right. It's to let your team. Okay. If you're on the road, well, we have a team of 30 guys come on the road. Well, now you've got 20 in your fan section. You know what I'm saying? Like you've got 11 on the field. Now you've got 20 guys cheering you on all the time who are standing and engaged in the game. So, you know, there's multiple reasons to it. And it, it was actually really good. Um, I definitely learned some things and, and, you know, just how sometimes you used to be overly aggressive in the college game. Um, certainly the, the lesson you're uh, applying applied a lot more for me. And once I reached the professional rank, ranks and in Columbus, um, that was a much different learning experience for me um, than I would say the college one. Right. So, 
so coming out of this, you finish your senior year. What what is senior year you're playing, right? Mm-hmm. And then what happens? Finished my season. We went two fifteen and three. So oh my gosh! That was my my fifth year. Um, I was one of two super seniors. So pretty disappointing way to kind of end your college career and what I thought was gonna be my last game. You know, wow. obviously I had aspirations to be a pro. Um, nothing, you know, we were, we were bad. We, you know, we, we couldn't score goals. We, nothing worked out. Um, so, you know, my season ends, we get knocked out first round of the tournament. Um, and I start applying to go do USL open tryouts. I went to Louisville, did an open tryout, nothing there. They said, I can't play in USL. I went to St. Louis FC, uh, made to the second day, nothing happened. Went to Chicago Fires open tryout, nothing happened. I put up a, I put up a, a 10 foot, eight inch broad jump and which was eight inches higher than the next highest broad jump at this pro combine. And, you know, I get nothing from it. So I'm like, all right, I, you know, I, I spent some money, drove around, traveled, did, did the, the tryout thing. I had completed the undergraduate side of my accounting degree. And I was kind of working towards to get 150 hours to sit for a CPA. Um, so I was like, all right, I'm just going to finish my last semester, get 150 hours. It's kind of like a graduate program, but not really. So I went back to college and I was just going to finish my semester. I picked up my books, never got invited to the MLS pro combine. Mm. Um, you know, I, I felt that was better than some of those goalkeepers, but nothing happened. And then, um, picked up my books, watched the first and second round, nothing happens. It was split back then. So first and second round happens, no draft pick, fine. I'm sitting watching the third and fourth round. I just picked up my books for the next semester. I was already back at college in my college house, ready to go. And I'm seeing, you know, third round goes through, picks start passing, you know, teams start passing like four or five picks, you know, near the bottom of the third round, the teams are now passing. I'm like, well, this is pretty much over. You know, right. if teams are passing already, fourth round fifth pick I see my name pop up because it was oh, all wow. online it's just a website there's no live stream there's nothing I see my name pop up I'm like what is that I hit refresh disappears it goes back like four lines so now it's at like fourth round first pick I'm like I just like am I going crazy did I just like <laughs> I'm losing my mind I'm like I don't know what's going on I'm just mashing the refresh button and then I see it come up again and it stays up there and it's Columbus Brew fourth round, fifth pick. And I call my dad. I'm like, I think I just got drafted. Wow. And he's like, what? And so <laughs> no, I'm, nobody's I'm expecting freak- this. <laughs> I'm freaking out. And I see a call come through on my phone that says something from Columbus, Ohio. I'm like, mm, dad, I think I got to go. I'll talk to you later. Hang that up. And it's Greg Burhalter, who's now the U.S. national team coach. He's a coach of Columbus Group. He says, hey, Logan, this is Greg. I just drafted you. Um, I'm going to hang up quick because we got to get a lot of stuff rolling here. Uh, really happy to have, have you, you know, draft you part of the team. Um, I'm going to hang up. We're going to get you on with, with Pat. He's the goalkeeper coach. He hangs up. Pat calls me. Hey, you know, we, we heard a little bit from you. I think, I think there was a little connection with, with, with Stan maybe talking to him and, and uh, John Bush talking to him a little bit. And they called my coach the day before, but they weren't really sure how everything shook out if they were going to draft me or not. So they didn't really want to like say this is going to happen, but um, Hey, we're going to give you a shot. You know, you're not signed yet, but 
you get to come to preseason and we'll and we'll figure things out wow. and he's like i gotta hang up because the team coordinator is going to call you you need to get a passport because we're going to brazil in six days <laughs> so i was like did you have a okay. passport already i had a passport yeah okay. i was good on that front but i just i had to get all my pictures sent because they have to apply for a visa because i had to get a visa for brazil we were there for three weeks wow and that was basically my tryout period Wow. Well, um, I mean, I what a state. great place to, to try yeah, out. <laughs> yeah. It was an incredible, it was, it was a, a real hectic. I had three days before I flew out to Columbus. I had to pack up my house or turn my books, give those back to the, <laughs> the front office. Um, did they give you your you whole know, money back? You know how it goes. In I did. I did. I did not, I did not get charged <laughs> for that semester. So that was good. I was able to retroactively apply for my graduation. So I still I never had a graduation, but. I oh, seriously. In, yeah, I mean, I have my degree, but I, I, you never I got walked. to, uh, I, I, I was in a hotel on like a road trip to Toronto when our graduation was. So I'm, like, I'm, I'm way better off here than I am walking across some stage. <laughs> Falling asleep during a ceremony, <laughs> listen to yeah, a long right. speech or two. Yeah. So it was three weeks in Brazil. They changed up the diet. We did wow. no carbs, oh. which was harsh for me. Um, I, I called my dad after like four or five days in Brazil. And I'm like, and he's like, you sound sick. Like I was coughing, sneezing. My body mm. felt terrible. I was achy. I felt like I had a fever. Were they just trying two to days get you later, go more of a keto diet to get into ketosis? Yeah, it's basically a keto diet. It's just a lot of fat and protein. Oh, wow. And once I got to like day seven in that diet, I felt incredible. Wow. Like it, but it was such, I'm like, you know, I'm here. I don't have a contract. I'm in Brazil. Like, I don't feel I'm, I'm playing my best. Right. And now I'm sick. Like this is, this could not be worse. In the middle but of preseason. <laughs> in the middle of preseason with MLS, you know, and I just, just got told that I can't play in the USL from open tryouts. <laughs> so I'm like, what is going on? And now I and, jumped up a stage. <laughs> this is my one shot. You know, and, yeah. So, uh, and then all of a sudden I started feeling way better. Like it was an incredible like switch that happened. And like you, you're having two, three sessions a day and, and you're just totally fine. And you're like, right. this doesn't make any sense. And obviously it's easy when they're catering for every single meal. Like, you know, I, I can, I can eat whatever they put down. Well, that's, that's fine. Right. Um, but I finished the Brazil camp. Um, we get two days off. I go home to Wisconsin, um, you know, lay low, recover a little bit. And we go back to Columbus. And before our first training session in Columbus, uh, they said, Hey, we're going to sign you um, for a contract this year. And there was only three of us. So it was Zach Steffen, who's the number one for the U S right now. Right. Um, Brad Stuver, who is the number one for Austin FC right now and me. Wow. So that's quite and, the, and uh, the lineup. who's in the MLS, you know, who, who had an MLS career and is one of the best goalkeeper coaches I've ever, I've ever Let's met. just comment on Pat Onstead. Pat Onstead, little history. I was telling you about this. 2012, mm -hmm. got a random phone call. He found out about me and the Richmond Goalkeeping Academy randomly when he's at DC United. You get a random call. He invites just me up. And I go, hey, can I bring some goalkeepers? And we showed up with about 65 people and 30 of them were goalkeepers. And he was just like, what? Wow. And, you know, it, it, it was awesome. But I found out while I was there, I don't know if you knew this, but I, I was told Okay. I may not have all of this right, but I was told that when he signed with DC United as a coach, that if all the keepers went down, he had a contract that he would come back as the backup goalkeeper. 
Is this fact? I think I think I think he played in like two games that season. Right. I remember, him, I remember him talking about it. I think so. I think right. it was 2012. I remember him talking about his time when he was he was player coach in DC. The dude I had think gray at one hair. point whether he suited up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was he? 45 I think he started MLS career at like 37 <laughs> or something or 38. So you know it's never too old, but he um, should have he the header on every contract. The legend. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's an incredible guy, and I and I learned so much from him. Right. In, in those two years at Columbus, but um, wow. Do you yeah, think that helped very, you? Do you think that helped you a lot? Ab- absolutely. Um, what would you, know, you say college, the biggest, biggest thing was? The biggest mental switch or life switch or on-field switch? It was just, age. you belong. Mm. It, was, it, was, it was that simple. It was, you know, hey, if you feel like you don't belong, you're right. And if you feel like you do, you're right. Wow. And Let's was, talk about that. Let's talk about it. Because yeah. I know some pros that are struggling with that. Mm-hmm. where they don't feel like they belong around and, and even even college players they don't feel like they belong um mm-hmm. and I, i'm huge I, i've always told people the and other coaches and i'm sure you can agree and i made mention to you of this the goalkeeper coach goalkeeper player relationship is sacred it is special it is really very is. special and 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 your mentors you you don't have five million of them there's only there's there's five or less and they all have mm-hmm. a common theme. I want, can you talk a little bit about that relationship with Pat Onstead some more? Yeah, absolutely. You know, when I, when I showed up, okay, I went from, we lumped it long in college. Mm-hmm. You kick everything long. Do not play the center back. Even if he's got 20 yards of space, you kick it long. We'll win the second ball. We'll try to go score. Come to Columbus. We don't kick the ball long. You, you pass everything. Right. There are select few emergency situations where okay my emergency ball is put it on the outside back's head mm. he'll bump it up the line and we'll play mm. so it was a huge switch for me going from that and I was good with my feet in college like I was I was fine with you know trying to play or I, you know I was clean technically and everything but I did not have the mentality of okay jam it into a six who's going to bounce it out to an outside back like that was not part of our game right so I had a lot of changes that I had to make both mentally on how I played the game but also you know physically shots are now coming extremely fast when you have guys like Giassi Zardes and Frederico Higuain and all these other guys who are ripping shots at you and you were just taking shots from division one college or open tryouts in the USL like that's not night day difference (laughs) yeah so you know I spent a lot of time with Pat we spent time after training just cleaning up things with technique but you know one of the things he told me was like you belong if you believe you belong so you know he's like is probably a you know looking at it it's it's a hard situation like you've got a guy who's two years younger than you whose career is way up here compared to where yours was like I just got done playing college soccer and he's a year and a half away from getting signed to Manchester city, you know, and then you've got Brad Suver who was in the league who was MLS league pool. He was, I think that was his like sixth year pro at that point. And then been a few at Columbus already. So, you know, these are established guys and right. I'm just the third string coming in. And I think my first year was just being a lot of a sponge, just trying to take in as much as I could, any tips, tricks, you know, trying to understand things at first, I felt like I'm just 
there trying to react to everything. Right. And if you know, you know, being a goalkeeper, you cannot just react. No. Like, you know, that there's, there's, you know, you can be a good goalkeeper if you react, but you have to be, if you want to be great, you have to anticipate, plan, and organize. And at first, I was just happy to be there, reacting. And I was lucky to get signed again the second year. But that year, I made a big switch because uh, Brad went to New York City. They brought in another goalkeeper, uh, John Kempen. Um, he's at DC now, but he was an eight-year pro. He signed a homegrown deal at like 17 or something. So he played with Kansas City. He played with under Melia. He went to Galaxy, played, was the starter for Galaxy for a while. Wow. He'd been on loan to a couple places. Um, but I was like, I need to start proving that I belong here. And I came into that preseason with a with a lot more intensity and 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 personality. And that was kind of one of the things that Pat told me. He's like, you look like a different person. Physically, I wasn't any different. I was the same weight. I was 6'3, 170, you know, maybe 165. I lost a little bit of that college weight that was kind of just the the meathead weight. <laughs> um, but he's like, you look different, like you look calm, a little more organized, you know, more intense when you need to be. And and I was able to earn the spot, the backup spot. Obviously, I'm not, not, not the spot over Zach, but I was able to earn the backup spot because um, that's all I could really fight for at the time. And I earned that spot for about a month and a half, two months through preseason and into the first few games of the season. Um, but it was it was kind of a mental shift for me. Like, all right, if I want to make this a career, if I want to be a professional, I need to start fighting for it a little more. I can't be a sponge my whole career and expect to stick around. You know, so there was it was kind of a big Gotta switch. apply what you're learning. And not exactly. once, not twice, consistently, mm-hmm. consistently all the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. What yeah. what may what so, you know, I think a lot of people you you learn, you learn, you're absorbing, you're absorbing. But I feel like all of us at some point in our careers, whether it's coaching or business, life, um, college game, high school game, even even for the parents that listen, you come to this fork in a road and it's this question that, that lingers in your, in, in, our, in, our, in your mind privately that you entertain. And am I good enough? Do I know enough to apply this and get those results? And then I think that second thought that comes is, what if I fail? What were the thoughts? What, what, when, when, when you were going through this phase, what were those thoughts that you were experiencing in your head? And what did you do next? Yeah, it was, it was interesting. So, and I think this helped me, honestly. Um, there were some contract issues that I had found out about. They told me that they were going to re-sign me between year one and year two. Oh, wow. I knew that I was turning 25 in year two, and that would not make me eligible to be a reserve rookie contract. So there's, there's layers in the MLS. There's senior roster is one through 20. There's supplemental 21 through 24, and 25 to 28 is reserve contracts. So you have to be under 25 to sign a reserve contract. Oh, wow. I knew I was turning 25. So I'm like, they told me I'm back. Am I uh, in a senior spot? Am I in a reserve spot? Are they going right. to get in trouble? So I knew that my job was kind of up in the air. I'm like, I need to prove that I need to stay here. I need to prove that I can fight for this, this position. And that kind of gave me a little bit of extra motivation to be like, 
I've got to go out and show myself every single day. Wow. And, you know, I was like, if I don't, at the end of preseason, they could cut me. I didn't have an agent at the time. So, because I got, I just got drafted out of high school or college. So I was like, I don't have I've time got for no that. Backup plan. I don't right. I have no backup plan. You know, I, I have an accounting degree. So I, yeah, I do have a backup plan for after soccer, but you're doing all no your teammates' taxes plan. in the meantime, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm giving advice on about TurboTax. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no. So, you know, it's, I had no soccer backup plan. I was, I need to make this happen. And luckily I, I think it, it kind of pushed me in the right direction, but, um, you know, I also didn't want to be the guy that you get drafted and then you get cut. I wanted to prove, okay, at least they, they wanted me back. It wasn't, it wasn't an emergency bandaid that they put on their goalkeeper right. situation. Right. I wanted to be, okay, you know what? I signed at least another contract. They, they liked enough what they saw of me that they wanted to bring me back another year. Right. So that was kind of a personal thing for me. I'm like, I don't want to be the guy that is in MLS for one year, gets out and whether I play, you know, USL or anything else, that that's it. Right. I wanted to prove that at least I can sign another contract. Like I, I showed something that they liked. So that, that was, that was the personal side for me that I, I really felt like I needed to show. So it was, it was that, in, it was almost like a fear, but it was almost, it's yeah. at the same time in a, in a more positive way. I'm not yeah. going to lose. I'm not, yeah. I'm, I'm, I appreciate, I have gratitude for what I have and I'm not going to waste it. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. Keeping that positive attitude. Is so it, it, when things aren't going your way, you know, it, it's, it's so important and it's never easy. It sounds easy. It's easy to say, it's easy to write down, easy to hear from everybody else, Yeah. but really behind the scenes, were you punching walls at night <laughs> some on some nights <laughs> out of frustration no um you know it was it was stressful certainly I was on month-to-month -month leases in Columbus because I didn't know if my contract was going to go or not I didn't buy furniture because I didn't want to buy furniture in Columbus and have to move it so I had like a bed and a kitchen table and a couple of chairs so like, I would sit up my <laughs> I have the chairs still here now, which is funny <laughs> now that I think about it. Like I set up a chair in front of the TV and a chair the other way. And I would put my feet on the chair and that's how I would sit. That was your like couch. Three, that was my couch for like three months because I was like, you know, uh, you just don't know what's going to happen. I wasn't going to be you right. know, stupid with money, buying a bunch of furniture, furnishing a place and then have to, oh, you're cut. Sorry. And then have to move it all. Like, so I wasn't going to do that until I kind of knew what was happening, but you know, that, that's that little stuff like that will certainly motivate you to, to make sure that you have a job a, a month later. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's, it's super interesting. Um, all of our journeys and, uh, I'm sure you have more furniture now. Uh, you, you do, live, yeah, you're living a little better now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't think, I don't think, uh, I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, married yet. I hadn't proposed yet. I had the ring for my wife, but I hadn't, uh, I didn't, um, I don't think she would let me live in a place without furniture now, but no, we typically don't let our, our husbands do that too often. <laughs> we, we like consistency and stability. It's just in, in all of us as women, you guys are the adventure seekers. We, we keep your feet on a, a little bit more on ground, you know? So. Yeah. And, and, and bless her heart for 
choosing the stability of professional athletes. Right. Right. It, I, I always hear from friends that are married, uh, that are pros is, uh, I say, I'm going to have dinner with you at six o'clock and then I'm calling you at three canceling. Cause we have film <laughs> or something changes in the yep. schedule. Sound about right. <laughs> so. Definitely. Yep. So Columbus you're there. Um, some big, some big conversations. Uh, you, you, you go from being the sponge to, to applying it and, uh, just, you're, you're not going to lose. You're, you're going to earn your place, uh, and earn your respect. It sounds like, um, what happens next? Well, so I'm, I'm kind of the two for the first few games. Um, I was the two for the, the end of the preseason. I was a two for, I think one or two games into the start of the season. And then uh, Zach gets called to national team duty, which means now starting goalkeeper should be my spot. We're going to DC on the road. Um, and, and coach calls me in and says, Hey, um, we're going to start the guy who's a three because he has more MLS experience than you do. Mm. And, you know, my response is, you know, why was I the two for this time? if you didn't think that I could play that game, if something happened, if Zach gets hurt in a game, why was I the two if you didn't think that I could do it when it came down to it? And he didn't really have an answer for me, which is fine. He doesn't have to. Like, you know, hey, it's his decision to make. Maybe it's the right one. Maybe it's wrong. No one will ever know. But it's probably it probably would have been a harder decision for him to make that and to play me anyway. Right. Because, hey, this is a guy who's never played an MLS game before. Um, only preseason games, you know? So hey, it would have been gutsy for him to make that call. Right. I felt it was the right call at the time, is what it is. Um, then from then on out, I was pretty much the three for the rest of the season. Obviously, little injuries and, and uh, you know, call-ups here and there that, that, you know, lead to the natural, you know, jumps up to two and one or whatever. But I played one Open Cup game in June um, because Zach was, Zach was injured at the time. John was playing the, the league games. We had a Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday with the Wednesday being an open cup. Um, so I got to play that Wednesday open cup game. It was cruise reserves versus Chicago fires. First team. I think the salary difference was like 10.1 million to 1 million. You know, there's Schweinsteigers on the field. Um, you know, uh, Nikolich, you know, these are golden boot right. winners and, and, and world cup champions that, <laughs> I'm playing against and it's, you know, me and my buddy from Penn state and my buddy that signed a homegrown deal, you know, we're, we're playing against these guys, you know, it, it, game ends two, two, we go to penalties and, and I don't make a single save go for 11. I, I took the last penalty and, and got mine saved and that's how the game ends. And that was hard. It was very hard. It was hard for me to handle. Um, it was, you know, frustrating because that was my one chance. And I had a good game up until that point. We got a couple of our reads wrong on, on, on uh, where we thought guys would go. And we had some guys that we have, you've never taken a penalty before in your life, but right. go face it, you know? So we had a couple of scouts that we thought might be right. And even if I went the right way, it's like, you know, I dive right. I went the right way on Schweinsteiger, but he roofed it and I got a pinky on it, but I can't push it over the bar because he roofs it, you know? So after that game, I had a conversation with Greg and he's like, you know, hey, um, 
just want to let you know, like, we like you, you keep training and stuff, but I think if you want to take the next step in your career, you're going to have to go somewhere and play games. Um, you know, uh, it was, it was basically, we're not going to sign you next year wow. and, and go, go play games. And that was frustrating to hear six months to the end of the season, considering it's now the middle of June, mm. but you know, I was, so at that point I got an agent and he started looking around and, and shortly after that, I kind of knew what, what was going to happen, but, um, it was a, it was a long, long year for sure. Right. So where did you go after Columbus? So after Columbus, uh, I signed a deal with El Paso locomotive. Um, I came there for, I came here, which is where I am now for, for two years and ended up signing another year, uh, this last off season. So I'm here nice. for this year. Um, and, and that was, it was at, you know, around this open cup time and, and going from Columbus and thought I'd proved myself, didn't get the chance that I wanted had, you know, some unfortunate circumstances happen with open cup that I was like, all right, bet. I'm going to go to El Paso. I'm going to go play every single game that I can. I knew I was coming in as the one. I knew I still had to fight and earn it. You know, I'm not, right. I wasn't like, you know, relaxed now that I'm a one, like that's not, no, no one ever thinks like that. Like, but I knew I had to go prove myself because I had a good pedigree. I was okay. You know, college got drafted two years in the pros coming to USL. I'm still a gamble to some people probably because I had never played a professional game really, you know, okay. A few here and there, but, right. but like college, so the had, speed of play is yeah. different going into pro going in the USL. Everything's different. Mm-hmm. And USL is a very different game than even MLS. Like how so in, in MLS, the biggest difference that, and this is something that Pat told me, he's like, look in college in USL, there'll be crosses and you're expected to come from a lot of because service is loopy, whatever, not always in a great spot. In MLS, the service is good. Right. Like most, most crosses and things, if it's not inside your six, you're probably not coming for it. I mean, yes, there are situations where, okay, if everyone's higher, okay, if it's 40 yards away, you know, but if things are not on the end line, you're probably not coming for a cross. In college, you probably are. Right. So, you know, there, there is a tactical change where you kind of have to realize, all right, I got to let my defenders defend and I got to sit on my line in MLS a little bit and try to just react to a header if I can get to it. But USL now, you know, it, it reminds me of college a little bit, but obviously the skill and everything is significantly higher than college where, you know what, I've got to go blow some stuff up sometimes. So, you know, um, it was, it was a lot of, I had to go out and prove myself for I'm now at a new brand new club so this was an expansion club at the time El Paso had never played a game before so as a new team I've never played a game you know we you know some of these guys have played for coach Mark Lowry before in in NASL and and back in Jacksonville Armada um so some of those guys have played together before but I hadn't but you know it was I gotta go prove myself again so it was just another step of you know, you think you're going forward a little bit and I got to come back a little and you go forward a little bit and you come back a little bit. So that's kind of been the, the highlight of my career. Of It's always all right. Two steps up, one step back, two steps up, one step back. But right. Patience, lots of patience yep. and, and never losing the fight. Mm-hmm. Um, so you were telling me something really cool. You know, you went through a lot of the adversity and uh, if I remember right from our first conversation, um, 
you have played the most games out of any USL keeper. Is that right? And since the time that I've been in the USL, no, I don't, I, I've, I've done my own research. I don't think any goalkeeper has played more games than I have. How many games in, is in the that? two years? Uh, 56. Wow. And that's or 54, including uh, playoffs. So we had three playoff games each year. Um, I was only injured for two games, had a little quad issue my first year, um, missed two games. Um, but with playoffs and I've never lost a starting spot, it's always been mine. And that was my plan is, I, you know, when I left Columbus, I was like, I need to play every single game. That's what he said. I, I, he said, I need to go play games. All right, well, I'm going to get as many as I possibly can and show, okay, here's my body of work. I don't want to be able to show, okay, here's my body of work of two games and I've had two good games. That's not consistency. That's not anything. I want to go play 60 and you'll see, here's how many I've done. You know, yeah. here's what I'm capable of doing. I want to show that I've been able to do it consistently year in, year out, new defenders, new style. You know, we play with, we very much so play you know, even more our first year. We play with the ball at our feet. I've given up countless goals of us giving the ball away but I also have countless clips of me finding an eight and someone who turns finds a 10 and then we go and score just happened last weekend you know so hey it's up to the coach to determine you know what you want to do with your style but I'm not afraid to make those mistakes and that's Mm. something that I probably would have been my first year in Columbus where I was kind of a sponge you know the second year I was like you know what if I make a mistake it happens it's over you know, hopefully we can still win the game. What was the fear? What do you think the fear was inside of making a mistake when you're at Columbus? Was it getting cut? Uh, I don't think so. I think it's just expectations of guys expect you to be at this level. Right. So if I make a mistake in my eyes, I'm not at that level. Right. So I think that was probably it for me, you know? Um, and, and the second part is just not being comfortable in me, myself, my confidence, or my play style. I was still learning that play style. So I was kind of afraid to make those mistakes. Right. Now that after two years in Columbus and three years, you know, this is my third year in El Paso of playing with the ball at your feet all the time. I'm confident in what I'm able to do, what I know I can do and balls that I can thread and what they can handle. Like we've got some good sixes here. I know I can jam a ball into him, and I know he's going to be able to knock it out wide. No problem. Right. So it, it takes a, a significant switch in your brain to go from, if I play that, we might lose it to, nah, he's got it. Right. I could play that. Like it's the right ball. If it's the right ball, it's the right ball. And I think that was one thing that kind of helped me like, Hey, maybe we have to deal with it if it's the right ball, but it bounces or he misplays it or something. Hey, we're, we're fine with those mistakes. And that was something that Mark's been really good about is I have no issues. If you have, technical errors I don't want the tactical mistakes where okay we should have played this ball but we lump it instead and then they go and score right well you know rather play our style let's let's beat ourselves let's you know let's let's be the best that we can be if they can beat us hats off to them they deserved it right but let you know let's 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 make them do it and I think that's you know that's it's it's taken me a while to get to that point but once you're there, you feel good no matter what. Like, <laughs> hey, I, I you know I know I might miss a pass here or there, but 
I hold myself to really high standards. So if, if I don't make a pass or something, then I, I know it was because I did it, not because someone pressured me or whatever, like it's on me and I'm fine with that now. Right. Right. So would you say you got that game experience they they told you you needed? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think even out of MLS keepers, I don't think anyone else has played. I don't think an American goalkeeper has played more games than I have in the last two years. That's awesome. Um, and that's with COVID. If, if it weren't for COVID shutting our season down to like 16 games, I'd, I'd be at almost 80 at this point. Well, but, where do you, what do you think's next after this? I don't know. The hope is always to go back MLS, um, you know, hope two steps back or two steps forward, one step back. I, right. I feel like I just did the one step back, go to USL, but now even if it doesn't happen, I'm happy with how I'm playing. I'm happy with my confidence and I'm enjoying playing every single game. Like that's something that, you know, it, it, when you go from not playing a game for two years to playing every single game week in and week out, it's really fun. And, you know, uh, I'm, I'm still growing in myself. Like I, I put on a lot of weight this off season with COVID um, a good weight, good weight. Yeah. But, you know, I, <laughs> not I've, your COVID I've, I've 15. <laughs> yeah. I've been, I've been lifting hard. Uh, I think I ended the season last year at 168 and that was the lightest I'd kind of been as a professional. Right. Um, but I was, I was getting used to playing every game, so I can't go lift hard and, and do that stuff. I was still getting used to playing every single game week in, week out and being able to manage the stress and pounding of a 10 month season. Um, but with COVID, I knew the season was going to get pushed back until May hit the gym hard. I'm now up to like 185, which is like 17 pounds or something. And, and it's muscle and it's, and I feel good. And that has helped me so much obviously to different degrees throughout my career, but college, I went through a, you know, a big weight strength gain. Um, and that helped me so much just with confidence. Right. And now, you know, I, I kind of felt like I was a little weak and, and wasn't really able to impose myself. Like I felt like I should at the end of my you know last season. And now I'm coming and I'm close to 20 pounds heavier and stronger and I'm kicking the ball way farther and, I could throw the ball farther and I feel, I feel more like a tank when I come out on crosses or whatever. Like, you know, it's incredible. Those little changes in your body can make you feel so much better about how you play and right. for a position like goalkeeping. That is so mental to have that little extra confidence is like, you know, throwing 10, 15 pounds on your body. Like if you can feel like that you're stronger, you're better, you know, whatever it is, your play is going to go through the roof. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I think it's, you know, your, our journey, I'm sure, it, you know, it sounded like in your mind, you had one expectation and it, it went a different route, but I love how you said that you, you know, the way I would phrase it is you found joy in the process. Right. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but so many people uh, along the way have told me, Amanda, you need to enjoy the process enjoy the process and at different lows. I'm like, what are you talking about? How do you yeah. enjoy? How is this enjoyable? Yeah. Right. I'm riding the bench. You know, I'm, I'm not getting playing time. You know, I, I need playing time to apply what I'm learning. Um, you know, like how, how do I enjoy it? How do I enjoy it? And you know, the, the question I want to ask you, you said you're enjoying it now you're playing uh, and you're, mm -hmm. and you're, and you're okay with where you're at and you'll embrace 
wherever you go, if you move up or you move down. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's great. How did you enjoy the process when things weren't going great? I know we've talked about it a couple of different angles, but how did you enjoy it? How did you get through those days? Yeah, I think, you know, there's, when things aren't going great, the, the things that I think of are Columbus and not playing games. Right. And the way you enjoy that is I'm playing one under one of the best goalkeepers in the United States. Right. Two, I'm in a, I'm a professional soccer player. Mm. I get paid to go play a game. Right. <laughs> that is a, you know, like it's, it sounds dumb. It sounds simple. It's a, it's job. a simplistic way to look at it, but that is my job. I, <laughs> I joke with my wife every day. Hey, going to work, honey. Like, Right. Like I, I, I wanted to go buy a briefcase just to walk into the office. Like you show you so should you so should if, if you can't laugh at that, like, you know, if you can't enjoy right. little moments like that, then, you know, you're just kind of wasting your time. If, if right. you're thinking everything is so serious, like I need to improve so much, you got to have a laugh every now and again. Right. And the, and another down I would, I would consider is my first season at El Paso early on, we were not very good. We were struggling. We gave up a lot of goals. We made some mistakes. I made a couple mistakes. Mm-hmm. I had one of the most unlucky. I was on ESPN, not top 10, because I came out for a ball. Yeah, I didn't I didn't even tell you this. I came out. We were playing Phoenix my first year, 2019. It's at home. This is like our third home game, maybe. And so I'm still trying to prove myself. You know, uh, I'm getting used to having fans. You know, fans are very different in professional sports. If, if you make right. a mistake, they will let you know. They will tweet at you. You will hear everything. So I, I come running out. There's a long ball at the top. It's the right decision for me to come out. And my foot completely just slips. I go straight on my butt. I try to head it, but it skips past. Guy comes in for a tap in. It's 1-0, 20 minutes into the game or something like that. Oh and my God. I had a fine game after that, but it ends 2-0. And that was, that hit me hard because I was like, it's nothing that I could have done wrong. I just right. slipped. Right. If a forward even is on goal and he slips, everyone's like, oh, that's so terrible. Okay, you forget about it. But when it's on your end and you're the goalkeeper and you're the last one and it looks like what would be a routine play, I just eat it. <laughs> I was on not top 10. I think I was like number seven. I was a little disappointed. It wasn't higher. Now that I look back at it, probably should have been one or two. Come on. But, like ESPN, I would have emailed you know, it, and been it, like, it, hey, could you at least have made me number one if you're going to call yeah, me like, out I like that? I think it was at least worthy of like top five. Top five. Number seven. Did they send you like a little plaque or something? No, I wish so. <laughs> I would hang at my office for sure. <laughs> you know, but that that was, you know, uh, hey, I had a, a couple mistakes before that. You know, we we hadn't. I think we won, we won one game before that point. So, and Phoenix was one of the best. That was the year that they set the record for highest points in a season. So, right. I mean, it wasn't like, a, a, you know, it was a good chance for us to beat a good team. And I have yeah. a terrible, unlucky mistake happen. But, you know, uh, shortly after that, then I did have a really good stretch. So it took me maybe a game or two to, to kind of forget that. I was like right. soft grounds, tying them, tie, like, clamping everything down for maybe right. like two games until that kind of mistake worked its way out but shortly after that I had a couple of good games I, I went on a, a kind of ridiculous penalty saving spree I think we faced like six in two months and I, I saved four of them and got my hand on a fifth 
Like I needed a little boost like that to kind of, to get me through that. Um, But you know, there were, there were people tweeting at me and stuff like play the next guy, play the other guy, you know, and that's, that's hard to, to, to read and to deal with, but it was never like, and I think this is something I might've, I might've mentioned this to you before, but um, at that, around that time, I heard this quote that said, don't take advice from someone you wouldn't take criticism from. Mm. Say that one more time for our listeners. Let me make sure I got that right. It was, no, it was don't accept criticism from someone you wouldn't take advice from. Don't accept criticism so, from somebody you would not take advice from. If, if I wouldn't go to Joe over on the street and ask, hey, what am I doing wrong as a goalkeeper? Why are you listening to him if he's going to say something negative about you? Right. If you're not going to actually value their opinion, if they're going to give you advice, don't value their opinion when they want to say something negative about you. And that is a so lot good. easier said than done. Certainly. Oh, yeah. But that did help me kind of switch and, and turn off. I didn't turn off a social media. Like I didn't just delete everything. Cause that, that would almost be worse. Cause then you're like, well, I don't even know what's being said now, you know, but <laughs> it was, it was, it was a good way for me to kind of just, you know what? Move on. So that helped definitely. That's so good. I think there's a lot of that. I mean, in all different aspects and all different levels of the game, everybody has an opinion and, you know, it's not right <laughs> and mm-hmm. I, I you well, know even you know you look at epl how often commentators are saying well you should never get beat near post well that's a lie you know how often how real it was a penalty miss not a save like no it's a save you make a save right. it's not a bad penalty like so i didn't mean to interrupt you but no, you know, the no commentators and everyone you never know like no one really knows what you're doing unless you've actually played the position so yeah and you know i always heard this that if people aren't talking bad about you or talking a lot of good about you or just giving their opinion a lot, typically you're not making a difference in the world or putting yourself out there um, to potentially be successful. You know, the fact that you're a starter, the fact that you're already out there, the fact that you're doing something um, says a lot. That's not easy. You know, I remember Mm -hmm. when I started uh, before I started the podcast, I I'd wanted to do a podcast for a long time. And I was like, doubted myself. I've doubted myself at every single level. You know, I call Bushy, my mm-hmm. big brother and, and goalkeeping. And he'll be the first to tell you that I've had many phone calls with him. Like, am I good enough in this area? Am I, can I do this, this level? And then I call him three months later. I'm like, why did I say that? <laughs> you know, like, or yeah, even six yeah. months later, like, or even two years later, I'm like, why did I doubt myself? <laughs> like, and it's yeah. just, and he'll say it. He's like, we all went through that at some period in our career, in our life. And the difference between what happens when we have that conversation is you making the decision, like you said earlier, to believe that you belong or believe that you're good enough and you just believe it and you go out and you act on it and you just keep acting on it. And, um, you know, sometimes we surprise ourselves by what happens, you know? I mean, for me, yeah. it was, it was, uh, I, 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 with the podcast, I told you this is there were a lot of people that had opinions on how I coached and whether or not I was a good goalkeeping coach based on a playing career that I couldn't control 
that ended early mm-hmm. that I couldn't control. Right. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, well, fine. I'm going to let people in the comfort of their home and the privacy, you know, and they, I can't see if they're, they're, they're listening or, or whatever. I'm going to tell my story. I'm going to let them get to know me in their own private, you know, privacy. And, and those that do, I'll let them develop an opinion of who I am. But in the meantime, I'm going to keep doing what I see myself doing. And the rest is history and it's paid off and it's been, you know, led to a lot of cool conversations, but I think more than anything, it's, you know, aside from the people that want to criticize that and not give you a solution, right. Um, not going to try to trump that, that quote, that quote you just gave. Cause that's, I mean, those are those people. I wouldn't take advice from them either. If they're so quick to make an opinion, yep. have an opinion of me, but I think more than anything, it's, um, you're, you're trying and you're failing and you're learning. And the only way you can succeed is by failing forward. There's a difference between giving up and just saying, I can't do it and saying, no, there's more in here. There's more, something good's going to happen. Something great's going to happen. And I'm going to keep searching for it. And I'm going to have fun along the way, you know? Absolutely. Right. And, and you never been... know who's watching you right now. Yeah. And, 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 and it could be that number three, that when you move on and go back to the MLS, or maybe you retire that you inspired that number three to become better than you or anything else. And that's what mentorship is. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and it, and, it could have been easy for me to, yeah, it could have been so easy for me to, you know, you talk about giving up or, or falling forward. It, it could have been so easy for me to say, you know what, two USL tryouts, MLS tryout didn't work out. I'm done. I could have waited when the U.S. national team coach says, can't play in MLS, you got to go play games. Could have retired after two years in MLS. Right. If anything, I could probably go make more money being an accountant. You know, <laughs> that like, is true. <laughs> you know, but I'm not done with this sport yet. I'm not done with this game. I have too much passion. I'm too competitive to just not bet on myself, not gamble, not, not mm. try. You know, now, obviously I'm not done yet, but if I would have given up after that, I, I don't think I'd be the same person. What I changed? need to go. What change between Columbus and being with um, El Paso? What, what, what changed in you personally? Well, I just got married right after I finished my two years in Columbus. So I wanted to go prove, all right, you know what? I'm going to start my family. We're going to go and I can go be successful if I want to do this. Right. And I think that was a big driving factor where, you know, we got married, went on a honeymoon, we came back, we packed up the house in two days and we drove to El Paso. Wow. So it was a quick, it was such a drastic <laughs> engaged living together, you know, MLS to it's a lot of life USL, happening. <laughs> like different city across the country, never been to the desert, never been down in this heat before, like never lived together you know. in the heat. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Hope the air conditioning you know, works. <laughs> yeah, it did. It's broken a couple of times. Those have been some miserable nights, but <laughs> but you survived and you learned. <laughs> yeah, we did. Yeah. We fell forward through those nights. Right, right. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Um so you so you looked inward and you became greater and you realized you were better than you than you thought. You just you have to go try it. If you don't, it's the most cliche thing you can say is you have to try, you have to, you know, fail. But if you don't, you won't know if you can or not. And if right. you can't, hey, no, no problem. Right. Like it, it's like you have to, there's, there's, you know, there's certainly a line between betting on yourself and knowing what you're capable of and being, you know, so over the top, I'm 
better than Zach Steffen? I'm not. Like, I can be realistic. You have to be realistic with what you can do. But you also have to be able to bet on yourself and be confident enough to say, you know what? I think I can do that. Right. And give it a shot. Because that, you know, I, I think just being willing to put yourself out there and do it is sometimes the hardest part. Because once you do, people are watching. the rest is easy. Now that, you know, yeah. you know, once I put myself out there, you know, go somewhere else to be the starter, like, once you do that, now you're just back doing everything what you're supposed to do. Like, all right, professional soccer player, making decisions, you know, be clean every game. Right. That's what I've been doing for, you know, three years. But if you don't take the step to put yourself in a situation, and you're just going to stagnate and plateau and eventually fall off. Right. And there's nothing else to do at that point. You made me think of two things, two lessons that I learned, but I, I know uh, I'm hearing you say you learned as well. And the first one is have no regrets. I don't, I don't want 10, 15 years from now to be sitting in an office or let's fast forward 50, 60, 70 years from now in my deathbed and look back and go, what if, yep. what if, what if I just leaned in more? What if I tried it? What if I had more of an open mind? What if. I just kept going. What, what, who would I have become? Would my, how different would my life be? And then I think the second thing is, is that fear is more expensive than faith. What does faith cost you? Nothing, but trying yeah. and keeping a positive attitude. Fear costs mm -hmm. you everything. Fear yeah. can keep you from everything. And all it is, is an invisible wall. It's a mirage that keeps you from where you are now in your dream. Yeah. And more often than not, it's self-inflicted. Yeah. hundred percent. Have you heard of the story of a pikefish of, of the experiment that a university did with a pikefish and they put a pikefish in minnows and some plexiglass and a long, okay. Not, no. I remember hearing this when I was 20 years old and it goes right in line with this. And I think, I, I know you'll love this. <laughs> okay, Logan. So they took a huge aquarium, stuck a pike fish in it. One of those little, you know what I'm talking about? The, the fish with the long nose, right? Really long. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they drop a bunch of minnows in it and they eat them up. Then they come back the next day. They drop it in. They're training it, right? Eats up all the minnows. The next day, after that, the third day, they drop clear plexiglass down the middle. Pike fish is on one side. They drop the minnows on the other. And they keep dropping more and more minnows. The pike shift pike fish keeps ramming the plexiglass over and over and over again until it, its nose bleeds. Seven days later, they remove the plexiglass. The minnows can free roam all around the pike fish. The pike fish gave up, went belly up and died, all while the minnows swam all around its face. Mm. And they said what they found wow. in the experiment is that when people experience failure over and over and over and over again, they begin to accept, expect that they're going to fail again instead of trying again. But had they just tried one more time. Wow. That's a great story. I like that. Yeah. Or and, study analysis. Yeah. 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 I mean, wow. I, think, I think we're all like that. And listening yeah. to your story here, what if you gave up when... Columbus said, I think you need more games. Well, screw this. I'm just going to go finish my CPA hours and start doing, you know, my own stuff instead of TurboTax for my teammates, <laughs> you know, 
<laughs> you probably could make yeah. six figures at it easy and, and enjoy a very comfortable life and, and enjoy vacation after tax season, probably. And yeah, you know, um, do your yeah. buddy's taxes from Columbus and other places, right? Yeah. It, good, good little network marketing or well, marketing there to network among those guys. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, but what if you, you gave in one more time? Yeah. That's and your, your point about the no regrets and, and death, but that made me think of another thing um, I heard recently was everyone has two lives and your second one starts when you find out you only have one. Ooh. So when you realize, Hey, I only have one life. That's when your set, your, your new life really starts when, all right, no more regrets, no more issues. When you think you're in this box, I've got all this time. When you find out you don't, you know, it's, it's the whole thing with, you know, people that have terminal diseases or whatever. Like when you find out you don't have that much time, what have you been missing? You what haven't you been doing that you want to do? You know, people start living and that's, you know, I, I don't want to say that, I love, you know, I'm fortunate that I don't have any issues like that and I don't have to deal with anything like that. But I do believe that I have started in the last year, two years, three years that, you know what? I'm going to live my life. I'm not going to have any regrets. I'm not going to have any regrets in my career or choices I've made. It is what it is. It's in the past. Now I can only build on new experiences from here on out. So if I spend my entire career in the USL, I'm happy with that because that's, I, I feel that I'm giving everything that I have. If I am fortunate enough to be, go back to MLS, I'm going to put everything I have into that basket. So. And at the end of the day, we're all getting paid to do what we love, our childhood passion. How many people mm -hmm. right now can say that they're getting paid to play the game they loved since they were five years old, mm -hmm. 10 years old, 12 and years even old? If you're not a, a, a pro, like even college, right. if you, if you get scholarships, right. those you're, you're, that is money. Like, you, you know, there's a whole bunch of drama about athletes saying they're not getting paid to do it. A degree is a form of payment, right? That's a, a certain threshold that you may not have had access to that can help you start the next part of your life. So, you know, there are multiple ways to get paid playing this sport. You just have to find it and realize that it is a payment right. and use it. Right. Right. It's so true. <laughs> this has been awesome. And I cannot wait to share this with everybody, um, Logan. And as we wrap up here, um, you know, bet on you because you're good enough. Bet on you. You only have one life, you know, um, Absolutely. keep going because there's more in you. What's your best advice that you could give parents, players, anybody who is anywhere in life, whether it's business, uh, coaching, whatever, they're just, they feel stuck. They feel overlooked. They feel like it's just one negative thing after another. Um, what is one thing you can leave them with to just help them get through today a little bit better and this week? The low points will end and you're only going to, the lower the lows, the higher the highs that you can have. If you don't have any lows, you're never really going to have much highs if you know i'm a math numbers guy if you're if your days are always right around here boring 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 nothing's drastic if you don't have the lows you'll never feel the 
the excitement, the energy, the rush of the super high highs. So it's going to end your, your misery, whatever the, the struggles are going to, to stop. And hopefully you've learned something from it that you can use to push yourself forward and, and find those higher highs. That's good. That's good. Thank you. I, I appreciate it, Logan. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It was a great talk. You're welcome. Can't agree more. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to Coffee and Leadership with Pros. If you could do us a favor and help us get the word out about our podcast by sharing it with a few friends that you think may benefit with this message and give us a follow and rate us here in the app. Thanks and have an awesome week.